As long as there have been dogs, there's been dog lore. That one dog year is equal to seven human years. That dogs are colorblind. That a dry nose means a dog is sick. That a wagging tail means happy. That dogs hate cats. But which are the myths and which are real? I'm Bud Bacone, and it's time to find out. Come on with me. Today we're going out there to do some canine myth-busting. Ugh, forgot my keys. Must have left my phone in my other jacket. Well, now I gotta pee. Uh, Josh, just play the titles. There have been dogs as long as there have been people. Cookies! This dog was going places. Fast. The American Kennel Club. Kennel Club. Take your dog down and back for me, please. Down and Back, stories from the AKC archives. This is the show for you. With Bud Bacone. This puppy has potential. Ah, time. It dictates the same cruel reality that's befallen dog fanciers for millennia, that humans on average outlive canines a fact that probably inspired some long-forgotten egghead to calculate the ratio of a dog's life to that of humans. And by some funhouse mirror calculus produced an answer, one human year equals seven dog years. And something deep inside that ratio may pass for reasoning. Many dogs live an average of, say, 10 to 15 years. Many humans live, say, 70 to 80 years. Yet upon closer inspection... This theory feels a little... Yeah, well, I was going to say thin. Uh, for one thing, the average lifespan of a dog is a sliding scale depending on the breed. Small breeds, such as a Chihuahua and Chinese Crested, tend to live 15 to 17 years on the larger end. The lifespan of a Bernese Mountain Dog or an Irish Wolfhound is shorter, typically 8-ish to 10 years. Some theorize that the 7-to-1 theory began life as a marketing ploy to encourage owners to bring their canine in for annual checkups, clearly borrowing a page from those uh, apple-a-day people. Fortunately for us, the keen canine-minded folks at the American Veterinary Medical Association, or AVMA, took on the dogs versus humans comparison and concluded that dogs and humans age at somewhat different rates at different stages of life. For instance, 15 human years equal the first year of a medium-sized dog's life. Year two for a dog equals about nine years for a human. After that, by my math, each dog year would be equal to about five years for a human. The seven-to-one theory falls apart when you consider that a dog can have a litter before she's a year old. Small dogs, says the AVMA, might generally be considered senior at the age of seven, though they might not have lived half their lives. That's because at that age, 
Vets tend to spot more age-related issues. Part of that cruel irony is that elsewhere in the non-human world, many of the larger creatures, such as elephants and whales, live longer lives than smaller ones, such as mice and, say, sardines. Though the canine math is, yes, rough, a four-year-old Great Dane is about 35 in human years. With time feeling all the more precious, this feels like the right moment to stop and smell an AKC breed biography. The easygoing Great Dane, the mighty Apollo of dogs, is a total joy to live with. But owning a dog of such imposing size, weight, and strength is a commitment not to be entered into lightly. This breed is indeed great, but a Dane it ain't. The breed was developed in Germany, where it's also considered great, but called the Deutsche Dog. Developed as early as four centuries ago, this working breed was designed to hunt wild boars, traditionally a royal pain in der Hintern for any farmer. As tall as 32 inches at the shoulder, Danes tower over most other dogs. Standing on their hind legs, they're taller than most people. These giants are the picture of elegance and balance with a smooth and easy stride. The coat comes in different colors and patterns, perhaps the best known being the black and white patchwork pattern known as Harlequin. Now, despite their sweet nature, Danes are alert home guardians whose size alone can inspire the orneriest intruder to rethink his sorry life. Those foolish enough to mistake the breed's friendliness for softness will meet a powerful foe of true courage and spirit. Patient with kids, Danes are people-pleasers who make friends easily. The good news is, the numbers associated with a breed's lifespan are norms, not rules. In early 2023, one of the world's most lovable rule-breakers celebrated a birthday. Bobby, a purebred Rofero do Alentejo, celebrated his 30th birthday with his human family in central Portugal. The Guinness World Records people have dubbed him the world's longest living dog, more than doubling his breed's projected lifespan. Okay, time to call it. Is this dog ears myth confirmed or busted? Josh, we need the buzzer. Sorry, bud. I forgot to warn you. The buzzer's not working. It's not. No, but I got you this. Okay. On the subject of old dogs, is it true you can't teach them new tricks? In fairness to dogs, it was always a metaphor. The expression dates back five centuries, give or take a decade. It was 1534 when John Fitzherbert's Book of Husbandry was published, including this immortal passage. Recite along at home if you know the words. The dog must learn it when he is a whelp, or else it will not be, for it is hard to make an old dog to stop. The subtitle, loosely translated, reads, Bad habits are easier to train out of a dog when it's young, a sentiment which morphed in time into, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Sure, it's taken a jab at humans, but is the core sentiment fair to canines? It's only one place to find out. 
Yep, Austria. Specifically, the Clever Dog Lab at the University of Vienna, a place where... Can I just say I love living in a world where there's a Clever Dog Lab? A place where cutting-edge canine science is always in fashion. Human studies have yielded all manner of insights into human aging and the cognitive process, until recently much less so with dogs. Here, as reported in Psychology Today, a three-year study of 95 Border Collies aged 5 months to 13 years compared their capacity to learn. The experiment involved a touchscreen. Two images would appear on the screen side by side. When a dog touched the correct item displayed, a treat would appear. Touching the incorrect side produced a timeout. At first, the images were simple clip art. The dog might see a cup on one side and a clock on the other. Later, more complex images might show underwater photos beside abstract paintings. While all the dogs, regardless of age, were able to learn the differences, the study found older dogs generally took longer to learn. The next test was retention. After about six months, the same dogs were tested again, and all, regardless of age, showed the same, usually impressive, grasp of the exercise. People in lab coats have spoken. You can teach old dogs new tricks, though it might take a bit more time and patience. Another canine myth busted. Okay, we've covered learning. How about what dogs can see? More than two centuries ago, English scientist John Dalton conducted some of the first studies in congenital colorblindness. A century and change later, in 1937, prominent dog fancier and writer Will Judy concluded that canines saw no color, just shades of black and gray. By the 1960s, some researchers opined that the only mammals that can discern color are primates. It was popular wisdom that dogs are colorblind. Over the past few decades, researchers have had a clearer view. Studies of the canine eye structure have revealed some basic differences between canine and human eyes driven by evolution and function. As nocturnal hunters, dogs have developed a keen night vision. This has shaped the development of the light-sensing cells in the eyes called rods and cones, whose proportions affect color perception. In short, in exchange for enhanced night vision, dogs have traded away their ability to discern red from green. It's believed dogs can make out yellow and blue and combinations thereof, but the green lawn of the park it probably appears as a dull brown. A red couch cushion might look like a brown blob. It's ironic that orange and red are the most popular color for dog toys, and not surprising when your dog runs past them, unable to distinguish them from the lawn they landed on. Pro tip, go for the blue and yellow. Anytime, it's all part of the service. 
We'll call that three for three. Dogs can see color. They just see them differently. Another canine myth. Uh, busted. I really miss the buzzer. Canine myth-busting is hungry work. So next, let's head to the kitchen. You're listening to Down and Back, stories from the AKC archives. If you're like me, you probably lie awake most nights wondering, is chocolate toxic for dogs? That's an important one, so short answer first, yes, chocolate is toxic to dogs. Chocolate contains both theobromine and caffeine. Depending on the type and amount consumed and the weight of your dog, it can cause a serious medical emergency. Both ingredients can speed up the heart rate and stimulate dogs' nervous systems. Cocoa powder and dark and semi-sweet chocolates are especially dangerous. White chocolate doesn't contain those ingredients and, for that matter, bears little resemblance to chocolate, so it isn't an issue. So when a dog gobbles down some chocolate and, hey, Halloween happens, you need to know what kind of chocolate. And know also that a given amount of chocolate will have a more profound effect on smaller breeds such as a toy Manchester Terrier and a Japanese Chin. Less so for larger dogs such as a Leonberger or Scottish Deerhound. Call it canine myth confirmed. Josh, have we got a ping sound for that? Sorry, bud. I'm afraid the ping's out of order today. Is there anything else we can use? Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, you can hit this muffler from a 1975 Chrysler Cordoba with a teak salad spoon. Okay. Chocolate is toxic to dogs. Confirmed. Hmm, that is the 75. While we're here, let's take a tour of other people foods that are okay for dogs and those which dogs should never eat. Let's start by understanding that dogs are omnivores with no real need for fruits or vegetables as part of their diet. Still, the occasional fruit or veggie treat is okay. Apples, for instance, can be a good dog snack. They pack vitamins A and C, and they're low in protein and fat, which makes them good for senior dogs. Bananas, blueberries, and cantaloupe are safe for dogs, so are cranberries, cucumbers, mangoes, peaches, and oranges. Watermelon is a useful snack, though it's important to remove the rind and seeds first, because it has vitamins and potassium and because it's more than 90% water, making it a great way to keep your dog hydrated on a hot day. Just a few of the fruits that are okay for dogs, confirmed. Now, forbidden fruits at least for canines. You should avoid feeding your dog avocado. The pit, skin, and leaves contain persin, a toxin that can cause vomiting and diarrhea in dogs. The flesh inside contains less persin, but can still be more than your dog can handle. Cherries are a no-no. Their plants contain cyanide, which can prevent canines from getting enough oxygen to their blood cells. Your dog should never eat grapes, or raisins, which are just dried grapes, they can be very harmful to dogs of any size or breed and lead to acute, sudden kidney failure. Tomatoes, which, yes, are fruit, are a bad idea for dogs. While the ripened fruit can be okay, the green parts of the plant contain a toxic substance called solanine. Let's dispel any myth that these are okay. 
So what about here, in the vegetable aisle? Let's start with mushrooms and onions. Not okay to feed to dogs. Onions, leeks, and chives are part of a family of plants called allium. That's poisonous to most pets. Onions are especially dangerous for Japanese breeds such as uh, Akitas and Shiba Inus. Your dog should never eat wild mushrooms in case they're the toxic varieties. And it's a good idea not to feed the mushrooms from your table if for no other reason that humans tend to douse them with sauces, oils, and seasonings that might not agree with canines. Now, as for vegetables that are okay for dogs, corn is fine, but never on the cob, which a dog might try to swallow, which can cause choking or serious intestinal blockage. Broccoli is okay, but in small quantities. So are Brussels sprouts, celery, carrots, green beans, spinach, and peas. Excuse me, sir. Please refrain from striking the muffler. You're frightening the vegetables. Oh, sure. Hey, is that a 75? A few more of the foods you should not feed your dog. Almonds, cinnamon, garlic, ice cream, and macadamia nuts. You can double-check that list by popping over to akc.org. Next canine myth. Dogs don't sweat. As with foods that are good and bad, it's helpful to operate from an understanding that dogs and humans are designed very differently. For one thing, canine skin isn't loaded with sweat glands the way humans are. That's because humans aren't covered with a thick coat of hair. Except maybe for my Uncle Tony. On a breezy day, we used to call him Uncle Russell. Sweat released under a dog's coat wouldn't evaporate as effectively as it does on human skin. They do have sweat glands of sorts, called apocrine glands, but these aren't for cooling. Rather, they help dogs identify one another by scent. So dogs are designed to cool off in other ways. One place they do sweat is through the pads on their paws, where they have merocrine sweat glands, which are very similar to those of humans, which is why it's not unusual to see a trail of damp paw prints on especially hot days. A key to the canine HVAC system is panting. When this happens, moisture from their tongues, nasal passages, and the lining of their lungs evaporates, cooling them down as air passes over the moist tissue. Dogs also rely on something called vasodilation, which is the expansion of blood vessels, especially in their ears and face. When those blood vessels expand, they bring the warm blood closer to the surface of the skin, which allows it to cool down before returning to the heart. As for that fur coat dogs march around with in the hot weather, it's worth knowing that for many breeds, a coat is handy for cooling. The coat acts as an insulator, capturing air close to the skin. In the winter, it captures warm air from the body. In the summer, it helps keep hot air away from the body. This is especially so with double-coated breeds, such as Golden Retrievers, Border Collies, German Shepherd Dogs, Labrador Retrievers, Siberian Huskies, and English Springer Spaniels. While double-coated breeds do shed their inner layer of hair in warm weather, the outer layer remains. Aside from adding insulation, it provides protection from the sun and from insect bites. Shaving a double-coated dog can have the opposite effect from what its owner intends. In summer, it can make a dog even hotter. 
So, what about that myth? Do dogs sweat? Let's say yes, but mostly no. Now, let's get out of this hot sun and into a nice, cool archive. What about the idea that a wagging tail is a sign that a dog is happy? Let's start with a fun fact. Dogs aren't given to wagging their tail when there's no other living thing around. From that, it seems safe to infer that tail wagging is a form of communication, much, some believe, like a human smile. But tail wagging also has a grammar and vocabulary all its own. A tail's position says a lot. A vertical tail says dominance. A horizontal tail shows the dog is on alert. A middle height is a sign that a dog is relaxed, while a tail dropped right down can betray submissiveness, worry, or that a dog isn't feeling well. Granted, all dogs don't carry their tail the same, so these signals should be read relative to the dog's default tail position. As for vocabulary, it's been found that a slight wag might signal a tentative hello. A broad wag is a friendlier signal that there is no threat. A slow wag of a tail halfway up is less social. It's often a sign of insecurity where tiny high-speed movements, almost as if a tail is vibrating, can show that a dog is about to do something, usually involving fight or flight. So, okay, yes, a wagging tail can mean a dog is happy, but that's just one small part of the vast canine tail-wagging lexicon. Time for a few more. Is hitting a dog an effective discipline? We'll call that a hell no. It's not a punishment a dog understands. Worse still, it erodes its bond of trust and friendship with its human. Bones are good for dogs? Well, cooked bones are a definite no-no. They splinter, posing danger to the dog. Dogs hate cats. Many dog owners know this isn't true. Often when a cat runs away, it triggers the canine instinct to give chase. A dry nose means a dog is sick. Again with the no. Dogs' noses work best when they're damp, but there are lots of harmless reasons why a dog's nose can feel dry. Dogs are good swimmers. Well, and some breeds have been developed for swimming, hence the spoiler breed names such as Portuguese Water Dog, Chesapeake Bay Retriever, the Otter Hound, and the Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever. Many breeds, such as uh, Dachshunds, Corgis, and Basset Hounds, were bred for dry land jobs and aren't natural swimmers, but it doesn't mean non-water breeds can't be taught. And one more. Dogs like hugs. We hate to poop that party, but as much as many dogs enjoy human contact, most dogs dislike hugs because it can make them feel trapped or annoyed like when your maiden aunt arms wide makes a beeline for you at Thanksgiving. When fighting, dogs often pin one another down. A hug might conjure that same feeling of danger and restriction, leaving it stressed. The more you get to know your favorite canine, the more myths you'll bust. More importantly, the better you understand your dog's needs signals, and language, the stronger that bond between you becomes. 
Down and Back, Stories from the AKC Archives. Visit akc.org for more on all things dog and find bonus materials for this episode. Follow AKC on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at American Kennel Club. On Twitter at AKC Dog Lovers. And let us know what you thought of the show. And let us know what you thought of the show. If you're new around here, subscribe with your favorite podcast provider to catch up on this season and past episodes. Founded in 1884, the American Kennel Club is the recognized and trusted expert in breeds, health, and training. We advocate for responsible dog ownership and are dedicated to advancing dog sports. Research for Down and Back is provided by the AKC Library and Archives, the only national repository dedicated to the sport and enjoyment of the purebred dog. Learn more about the collections at akc.org library. There's always a wise guy.